welcome back uh, to our uh, virtual event series, T-Quorum. Uh, we're kicking off this year with a town hall featuring uh, Arthur Brightman, uh, Gabriel Alfor, and Mehdi Bouaziz. Uh, I'll kick off the conversation uh, with some of the questions uh, that we received in advance from the community, uh, but uh, feel free to ask any questions you may have in the stage chat and I will work them in uh, to the conversation. Uh, so maybe just to start with individual uh, introductions, uh, maybe starting with Mehdi. Hi, uh, so I'm Mehdi, I'm a software engineer at Nomadic Labs. I've been at Nomadic for about uh, one and a half year. I mostly focus on the protocol and the uh, Mikkelsen language. Very cool. Uh, and then maybe Gabriel. Yep, I'm Gabriel, a lead developer at uh, Legolang, uh, the programming language for smart contract synthesis, and lead developer of the new core team uh, called Marigold that is mostly working on the protocol and on Mary uh, and Mikkelsen. And Arthur. Hi, I'm Arthur. I'm an uh, early architect of the Tezos protocol. Uh, so maybe to, to just kick off, um, given that the, the name of the town hall and the, the topic we've um, selected is exploring Edo, um, we'll, we'll, we'll start with maybe uh, some quick uh, a quick overview of uh, what's included in Edo. So um, I don't know, maybe uh, Gabriel, since you were you've been quite involved uh, in that one, if you want to maybe start, just give a quick uh, overview of what's in the proposal. Um, uh, just you know, obviously rehash, uh, re, you know, recap everything for 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 us in the, the new year. Uh... I actually don't have uh, in mind all the features that were in Edo. Um, uh, a lot of features were developed, I'm not sure which one were part of Edo or Florence, but as far as I recall, uh, Mikkelsen at least, the two main features that I can remember were um, tickets. So tickets is a bit uh, of a complex feature. Uh, it's basically uh, helping with uh, concurrency issues and things like this. Uh, it's, a fully, like, it's a quite generic system that helps with concurrency. Uh, the other one was comms. So comms is a performance improvement, a major performance improvement for one of the major data structure that we use uh, in higher level languages, which is records. It's a very common structure in all programming languages. Uh, then there were like uh, a bunch of other stuff, uh, like minor stuff, but in the major stuff, there is the ZK knowledge thing. Uh, so the two main one are sapling, um, which is for shielded assets, if I recall correctly and uh, VLS, which are like uh, new uh, cryptographic curves that help you with generic uh, zero knowledge systems. So those are like the main uh, amendments that happened in Mikkelsen. Uh, if there are any major one in other areas, I will let uh, others complete. Yeah, yeah, maybe Mehdi, I don't know if um, any areas that you maybe reviewed or, or were involved in, um, we'd love to, to hear. Yeah. Um, so obviously the, um, the new primitive you, you mentioned, there are also the, the KCHAC primitive, uh, which allows to uh, interact with the uh, Ethereum um, uh, hashes. So it allows for um, like um, um, sharing uh, tokens or stuff like that. Um, we've also had the, added the, the new, um, new period at the end, uh, which is called the adoption or cooldown period which allows um, uh, tool developers to uh, have more time to um, adapt to the new protocol before it's, uh, it's uh, really in use. Uh, before that, uh, we sometimes had to wait for the last moment to know whether the, the new protocol would be adopted. And now, uh, uh, so it's, it's not starting with, uh, with Edo, but with the, the future one. 
um, will have uh, this uh, new period. And uh, the length of the period also uh, have been changed so that we, we can move uh, faster. Uh, now the, the whole process um, is about um, two and a half months instead of three. Absolutely. Uh, maybe Arthur would love to hear uh, what, what is, what's exciting or you know interesting uh, to you about uh, the EDA proposal. I think uh, there might be an audio. Uh, several things. I think you know if you look at the um, Delphi and uh, and Carson upgrade, um, there were upgrades that improved the performance and that improved um, the functioning of the network, but they didn't really introduce. Uh, new features per se, and whereas we have a lot of new features coming in uh, in Edo, the last time we had a, uh, a protocol upgrade which really introduced a launch of new features, that was uh, that was Babylon. So it's exciting to have this, and uh, I think Mehdi and Gabriel have done a good job of summarizing the different new features that are coming inside uh, inside of Edo. Yep, um, and uh, you know, obviously, again, just a reminder to the audience, you know, if you have any questions uh, that you'd like to ask, uh, please please ask in the the stage chat. Um, uh, so I guess um, you know uh, it might be worth uh, you know moving uh, into the you know, maybe coverage of the the F proposal or, or Gabriel maybe gave away one of the potential names is is Florence um, uh, you know I guess for for for, for anyone who wants to take it first um, what what's the what improvements um, you know can the community uh, expect uh, in the uh, F for F proposal um, what 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 kinds of uh, things are are being explored uh, uh, for for inclusion. So uh, I can take that one. Uh, a lot of things uh, are being explored. Uh, I, I think the major one is that we should expect a uh, whole many new features uh, from now on as we have a really good new process, developing process. Uh, so as a result, uh, we might hear of a lot of features. Uh, some of them are ready, but not necessarily protocol ready, as uh, we want a whole lot more of testing and things like this before actually merging them and we want a big consensus. So we can talk about what we are developing right now and what is more or less ready, but we're not sure what will be finally ready uh, for the protocol. Like I think that's a clarification that is important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, I will talk about what Marigold has been working on and then maybe can talk about uh, what Nomadic uh, has been working on. At Marigold, we've uh, been interested in concurrency. So before we worked on tickets and right now we are working uh, on two things. The first one is called Views. So it was introduced a bit more than a year ago on Agora as read-only calls. So the idea is that in Tezos, um, you uh, cannot uh, give the control flow to another contract. You cannot call another contract just like a regular function in regular programming. Uh, so this, is, this has advantages with regard to concurrency because when uh, your smart contract is executing stuff, you know that the state of the world is fixed. So that's a really cool uh, guarantee. Uh, but it might make some uh, typical programming patterns uh, more complicated. So views help to uh, solve them by letting you just read data from another contract, basically. So that's for views. The other one is adding DFS into Tezos. So um, there are multiple ways to uh, originate sub-operations, calls to other contracts, and things like this. Uh, in Tezos right now, we had one that we deemed uh, BFS, because if you look at the call graph for the technical people, it looks like uh, a BFS graph search. Uh, and we've been looking at a way to include DFS, which is another one, but which makes a lot of programming patterns much simpler. 
so uh, Cesar Sanchez uh, from uh, IMDA uh, designed a lot of uh, ways to uh, and, like mix them both uh, into the same uh, space. And we've basically picked one of his designs. Um, so that's actually a very big thing because it helps with concurrency. And concurrency is the, like one of the most important points on blockchains. Uh, I, I know I always speak about it on town halls, but uh, it, it's really hard to understate its, uh, its importance. Whenever you have multiple contracts coordinating and doing stuff together, you, you need to have really good concurrency. So in concurrency, those are the two things that we've been working on, views and uh, adding DFS to the protocol. Um, then there is a lot of uh, performance improvements. So Nomadic has worked on them, so I will let uh, Mehdi uh, talk about them at length. But the one that we worked on uh, at Marigold is um, basically, a bit, like there are multiple of them. The first one is a storage cache. Right now, we are extremely conservative uh, in our gas estimates in Tezos. And the, the reason for that is that you want to be conservative, as if you are not, people can basically dust the chain from a gas mispricing. Uh, however, right, um, it, it might cost too much right now if you want to access um, storage, just, uh, the hard disk and things like this. So we're basically adding an explicit model of cache uh, within the protocol so that the protocol knows that some accesses to the hard disk are actually cheaper than other and so that we can price uh, gas cheaper in those cases. This is actually a very big factor into uh, what's expensive in Mikkelsen, so that will help. Uh, another one is a big table of constants, uh, something we call the big table of constants. is basically something that lets you do libraries uh, so that you can share code between smart contracts. Uh, it's really important as size of smart contracts is a major, uh, has been a major uh, developer hurdle. So with libraries and code sharing, hopefully uh, the size of smart contracts will uh, reduce drastically. Uh, there are some other stuff that will likely come later um, because of some internal discussions like events and things like this. Uh, but yeah, as I said, it will come later. Uh, I will leave uh, maybe uh, the time to speak to Expose uh, and not features now. Thank you, Graham, for it. Um, yeah. So at Nomadic Labs, we are very focused on, on security and uh, reviewing um, proposal from the community uh, so that we can propose um, an amendment that is um, safe to our taste. Um, and we have also worked on some features like um, a new um, a new model for, uh, for gas, um, which is um, available since um, um, we've worked on uh, improving um, the performance of the, the elaboration, the type checker and the interpreter. Um, there's a, also a, so this will allow um, bigger contracts and, um, and and bigger operations. Um, also, a big change that we want to to have is um, is to improve the the consensus uh, algorithm. Uh, so currently, we have uh, ME plus, uh, which is working pretty well, um, but we we can uh, we we have proposed uh, ME star. Uh, which is a, um, a few changes uh, in ME plus, but it uh, it would allow the, um, a faster uh, a fa faster cycles, uh, faster block time. Um, so um, hopefully um, all operations would be uh, um, much faster for for the whole community. 
of course uh it requires some changes uh in the the rest of the code base um like making sure that the the peer-to-peer -peer layer and, uh, and the mempool and all the, the other components uh, allows for for this um new uh, new speed um And I think, um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's the the most of uh, of what we we focus on uh, right now. Of course, there's a lot of, of small improvements, but um, just uh, reviewing the the proposal from the community and making sure that uh, all pairs of um, new feature uh, uh, is safe uh, is already a, a lot of work. Yeah. Um... Also, I know I know uh, one one you know one interesting uh, proposal uh, out there is liquidity uh, baking. I don't know Arthur if you'd like to to maybe describe. I saw that you know you were you're obviously involved in the the TZIP around it, so I'd be interested in, in your thoughts. Sure, uh, I really recommend anyone who is interested to actually read the TZIP because it will do a better explanation that I can uh, I can just like give like this on the cuff. Uh, but yeah, basically the idea is that. You know, if you look at uh, uh, if you look at the cryptocurrency or store value, you can see liquidity as a public good. Uh, part of the idea of, uh, of Tezos is that the provision of public good can be done through inflation. So typically, uh, the one public good that has been funded through inflation in cryptocurrencies has been uh, security. So you know, going back to Bitcoin, for example, Bitcoin ensures the security of its blocks by uh, uh, by adding a block reward up to uh, up to some point where hopefully uh, hopefully you have for some reason uh, fees are sufficient to uh, to secure it. But it's a generic idea, and there's many other things you can fund. One of them is uh, liquidity, and uh, smart contracts, which lets you do that, uh, which uh, are now called CFMM. The, the most famous one is Uniswap, but the CFMM is the general term for it. It's constant formula market maker. Uh, lets you uh, do it in a very uh, lets you do it in a very efficient way. So there was a whole craze uh, over the past summer on Ethereum around uh, this yield farming and, and, and so forth. But most of it was basically around some like pointless governance tokens or like fruit coins. But the, the generic idea of, uh, the generic idea of essentially uh, uh, subsidizing it uh, is pretty sound. And so that's, the idea is to do the same thing on, uh, uh, on a pair, which is a, a wrapped uh, Bitcoin called TZBTC and, uh, and this. Got it. So it's, it's very elegant because it, it's something which can have profound impact uh, with maybe like 10 lines of code. In a protocol, yeah, and it's an you know it's it's an experiment. I see the TZIP specify that it's like running for just six months. Uh, there's also an escape hatch so that bakers can deactivate it by putting a flag in their block. I think that's also one interesting aspect. There's a lot of quick governance that can be done outside of this um, whole like change of protocol upgrade, which is done by just having bakers include a message in block headers. So you see it in other networks, for example, on Ethereum. Uh, in every block header, you have uh, a vote on what the gas limit should be. Uh, and I, I think it's a little too naive. You want to be a little more conservative uh, about, about gas limit, but the, the, the principle is sound. The principle of saying, hey, for some things like code, which are complex and multi-parametric, you want to have a whole proposal that you vote on. But for things like block size, gas limits, uh, uh, amounts of inflation funding, this type of things, it's very easy to just manage them through uh, through um, through signaling and blocks, and you can after governance turnaround, governance turnaround for these parameters. Then you can uh, with uh, uh, with just like one instrument. Here's a big uh, lumpy monolithic upgrade. Absolutely. 
Um, and uh, I guess, another, you know, another question, uh, you know, that we have is uh, just basically about, uh, you know, maybe Betty if, or, or Arthur, if you want to expand more on uh, ME star, just like how it differs exactly from from ME, ME plus, uh, how, uh, uh, you know, what, what people can expect uh, to be different, what, what enables, you mentioned, you know, faster blocks, I think, but um, sure. I mean, that's not, you know, specific yeah, to star, but, but, uh, but but that's one, one thing that's coinciding with. There's two, there's, two, there's basically two ways to look at star. One is that, hey, it's a nice improvement on Emmy. Um, basically what you do is uh, you look at the first block and if the first block has more than half of its endorsements, you cut its time in half. So you can have a block every 30 seconds in, in, the, in the circumstance, you know, in the happy pass when you have all, when you have most of the endorsements, which is almost all the time. And if you do that, it looks like a nice heuristic, but then if you actually analyze it, uh, you do get the property that um, you have uh, you, 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 um, you have confirmations much much faster, and on top of that, you add more endorsements. So go from like 32 endorsement to uh, say 256 endorsements. Well, there's two reasons to do that. One is that it's a nice improvement over ME, over ME. Uh, but the second one is that it's a good way to prepare uh, the shell for having something like Tenderbake, for example, which has a lot more endorsements. You know, we're talking about on the order of uh, uh, several hundred operations of uh, endorsements per uh, per block and, and, and faster times. And uh, as a way of making sure that the shell can handle as is, that the endorsements are well propagated, it's a nice way to um, to get there for, uh, for for a future proposal. So it's you know it's it's a nice improvement one and two. It's a bit of an on ramp for uh, for even uh, faster finality. Speaking of the um, faster confirmations, I know uh, Gabriel, you your your team has also been working on a tr the idea of a transaction server or the idea you know some some ideas for uh, allowing uh, you know stronger economic finality, stronger you know strong economic finality in every at every block. Uh, so I'd be really interested in in what uh, if you want, want to give some comments. Yeah. So um, the idea uh, is that we've been working on a new Michelson instruction that basically lets you assert that some operation has been included by a given baker to a given block. So this sounds like a very minor thing, like a lookup in the storage or whatever. Uh, but the idea is that you can then do much more interesting things built on top of this. So this is only the protocol layer, but on uh, other layers, for instance, the baker software or things like this, you could build much more interesting things. And the one that Jacob was referring to is basically having, um, let's say, weak, uh, like weak guarantee of fast finality. The idea is that whenever you want to submit an operation, you'd submit it uh, to a node and to the mempool that you're currently doing. But on top of this, you'd also contact, I don't know, the bakers of next five priorities, for instance, and get them to sign a receipt uh, that they plan to include the transaction if, the, uh, if it wasn't already done. And the idea is that uh, you can then use this receipt on a smart contract where they will have staked or bonded some amounts. And if they don't include your transaction, then uh, they forfeit their bonds and you're earning you know, some amount. So for instance, uh, let's say that I want to make an instant, like uh, a transaction of 10 tests right now. Uh, I will go, I don't know, on my wallet, make the transaction. My wallet will contact the next bakers. Uh, the next bakers will tell me, yes, it's okay. Then I will get the confirmation on my wallet, I don't know, in like 100 milliseconds. And if the baker actually didn't include the transaction, I will earn 100 XTZ. So <laughs> um, depending on your point of view, you can say that it's instant finality or that it's a weak warranty. But basically right now, uh, I don't know of 
any app that exists even outside of blockchains where um, if one of your actions doesn't come true, you're like earning 100 XTZ. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's uh, I, like, even if it's not cryptographically strong or whatever, I think it's still a pretty strong guarantee. It basically lets you have like instant uh, confirmation for already existing smart contracts. So you don't need to build new smart contracts. It's not a new kind of architecture like L2 things. Uh, it, it's like really straightforward. So that's why I like this idea. Uh, and yeah, uh, I forgot to mention it. You're right, Jacob. Yeah, that's a really cool feature. Um, uh, so I guess uh, um, uh, one other uh, feature that I know you know has been uh, written up uh, you know a number of times uh, and maybe under consideration for for Florence's uh, baking accounts. Uh, so I don't know, Mehdi or or Arthur or Gabriel, if one of you wants to uh, just give a, a quick uh, you know very high level uh, summary of that one as well, given it will affect um, the, the baking community. So um, I haven't participated in the in the development of begging accounts, but uh, uh, I know a little bit of it, about it. Um, so basically, um, it it allows to decouple the the keys for, um, for consensus and uh, for, for uh, baking um, for bakers, so that um, you can keep one key uh, in a safe in a safer place uh, than the other because uh, one has to be used more often than the other one. Uh, and then it allows um, it will allow a programmable uh, baking uh, by uh, having um, baking uh, specific smart contracts. But I, I don't know the the, the, the specifics. Uh, the the first version does not include that though. I thought right. It's just key rotation, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the first step for for, for this mate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe you should check the the current uh, t. There's a currently a tzip about uh, about that um, that might provide more yeah. more details. Um, You're right. Uh, it's an open tzip. Yeah. Um, so the general idea is that the general idea is that so you still have you still have a master key which controls basically which with which you sign the block and which controls your bond. So basically, the the security of the the security of the key is uh, is, is, is the equivalent. But on top of that, if you don't want to you know, let's say, for example, your the key that you use for consensus and for voting. Let's say that somehow this key is in like deep inside some hardware wallets, and you don't want to get it out. Um, it lets you use other keys uh, to uh, to participate in your uh, in uh, to participate in, uh, in in basically uh, to suspend your bonds uh, and to vote. And it, it's implemented uh, as a general smart contract. So you have a smart contract that will basically uh, put out your vote result or put out your uh, or, or put out spending operations, but uh, in the current implementation, it's uh, configured so that the only smart contract that can be run uh, is a multi-state contract. Got it. Um, related to this topic, though, one of the questions that we we got was um, asking whether there's any plans to propose, uh, you know, basically automatic automated payouts um, for baker for delegators, I guess, uh, in uh, in any of the proposals following uh, Edo. Um, okay. Yeah, go ahead. You <laughs> take that. So first of all, uh, a the payouts are largely automated. Uh, that's always the case. We, you know, I don't think that bakers do their payouts one by one. Um, they use tools. So when you mean automated, you mean in protocol. One. In protocol, yeah. I think it's no, right. I know, but I, I think it was not in the question. So yeah. I'm being pedantic. So you mean like enforced by the protocols? There's a lot of problems with that. The first thing is that it doesn't scale. Uh, it may be possible today for bakers to pay all their delegates by making a bunch of on-chain transactions. It doesn't scale to a large number of delegates. 
And if you want to pay a very large number of potential delegates, when you might need to use other things. You might need to use uh, L2 solutions. You might want to batch your transfers. You might want to say, I'm going to pay you once a month. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ways in which the uh, Baker and delegate relationship can be formed, which become impossible once uh, you start enforcing it to happen on chain. You don't scale to a large number of delegates. You don't scale to different type of uh, agreements between Baker and delegates. So I think it's fundamentally a bad idea to try to enforce this on chain. And I know that some protocols um, will like tout it as like, oh, it's it's so much better because it's enforced. It's like, oh, your baker cannot, you know, uh, oh, your baker cannot not pay you. Okay, sure, but like then the, the point of baking is that you're somehow supposed to help secure the network. If it's all automatic, you know, and 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 this often gets proposed by people who think that the point of baking is that you get money every three days, but you're not. It's inflation. Like the whole point is that inflation rewards. Uh, securing the network, that means being careful and selecting a baker. That means that the baker doing your job, if you automate it out, then then it just becomes like a potentially tax inefficient way of just like changing your balance. It's it, it's a bad idea. It's a fundamental, fundamentally bad idea. And it's it, it stems from people thinking that baking and receiving money from baking is part of like the appeal of Tezos. And it's really fundamentally not. Uh, the, uh, you know, the one other uh, maybe sort of uh, question related to this um, is is the perennial uh, question about uh, if there's any thoughts on lowering wall size. So I guess adjacent to this is another uh, common uh, common common question about uh, about when when wall size might be reduced. So I give this answer a hundred times. Yeah. They are you know I think it's because of master. Uh, I think it's because of like dash. Dash has this idea of like, oh, you'll have a master node and cost that much, and that's the limit. And if you give that, you get the master coin. And there, are, and there are a lot of people who look at role size and imagine that, oh, if you don't have as much as a role, you're not important enough to bake. And because you're not important, you know, like we require this threshold because you know you have to really mean it. Uh, and and then, well, you know, if the price changes, you know, if the, if the purchasing power of test changes, then so should the value of the role. That's not how it works. The role exists for technical and security reasons. Um, there's an algorithm called Follow the Satoshi. If you want to read about it, look at the old chain of activity paper in proof of stake. Um, if you have a, a long range attack, uh, let's say someone tries to go back a few weeks from now and try to make a fork. Uh, and in that fork, they're going to give themselves all the baking rights and because they can because they control what happens in, in, in this fork. If you uh, assign baking rights randomly based on balances, just on balances, you can cheat with that because you can make transactions that move your balances from one account to another. You can move your balances in your fork where the baking wires are going to fall and you end up with a branch that looks better than the main branch. Okay. The way you prevent that is with an approach called initially follow the Satoshi, where you don't just select random accounts based on how much they hold, but you actually track the coins. Now, tracking the coins when you have um, when the smallest unit is the one mutes, so like 800 million tests times a million. Uh, is a lot, I don't know, a trillion or quadrillion, but it's a, it, it's a lot. You can't track all of this. So instead of that, the, the coins are aggregated into rolls. Like when you go to a bank, you get your coins in a, in, in a roll of paper. And then you, when you need to sell them change, you break the roll. When you have enough change to form a roll, you reform the roll. If you do that, you get to basically do the tracking with some approximations, uh, but very closely. Uh, and you only need to have a database which has the same amount of entries and number of roles. So a role of 8,000 tests with uh, 800 million means that you're basically keeping track at most of 100,000 roles, which is very doable. At the end of every cycle, 
there are there, there's code that runs for every role. So at the end of every cycle, if you see sometimes you see endorsements missed at the beginning of a cycle, it's because you have something that goes over these hundred thousand roles. So what determines the size of the role is not you know do you really mean it? You know is is this really enough for you to be bigger? No, if we could make the role one tes, it would be one tes. If it could be one micro one new tes, it would be one new tes. The problem is that then you double the competition time at the end of a, of a cycle, and that competition time is already too slow. So uh, lowering the size of the role means uh, having a faster algorithm for going over the roles. It means having a faster storage, uh, essentially, because most of the most of the cost is going through storage. So they are work, there's work being done in speeding up the storage. But I think every single time I get this question, I think the intuition behind it is somehow that this is like, a deliberate choice, like an economic choice, and not a choice based on technical constraints. So the role size is based on technical constraints, not economical constraints. Got it. Uh, actually, you mentioned uh, storage uh, optimizations in you know in passing. I, I, it'd be really interesting to maybe cover some of the the things that are afoot for you know. So you know, I, I know there was there's some recent uh, um, you know movement around uh, some of those longstanding ideas, you know, with Plebeia and other stuff like that, but. Um, but there's also the addition of uh, cursors um, that will improve migration times. Um, uh, so I don't know if anyone has any uh, comments out there. Nobody or may it? Okay, I can take it. Um, yeah, yeah we, we have uh, several uh, teams working on, on different um, storage backends. Uh, there's the the M1 and the, um, the Playbaya one. And uh, they're converging to uh, some API uh, so that we can have cursors so that we can um, uh, traverse the, the storage uh, faster when we have to um, do a migration. Like you said, for, for baking icons, it, it was a, a progress rate. Uh, we, could, we couldn't do anything. I mean, the, the migration would take uh, half an hour otherwise. And now we, I think we've come down to a few minutes or, or maybe less. And uh, that's that becoming acceptable uh, for migration, and uh, hopefully it will be um, merged uh, in the in the future uh, weeks or months. Got it. So so it'll speed up migration to to the new uh, to new uh, protocols, and probably also other stuff in storage. Cool. cool. Um, uh, so we actually um, have gotten uh, a few questions also from the audience, some about um, about uh, about Edo. Uh, one of which, um, you know, which I think is pretty um, practical, which is uh, basically are the Edo features um, currently being integrated into any current projects? Um, it'd be great to highlight actual practical use of these features um, in the community. Uh, I know um, there's you know Arthur, you you may you know there's there's a number of projects that I think you you maybe talked about like C I think CTES or other things that maybe could make use of tickets, right? Um, would be interested in your uh, in your thoughts there. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Oh, I, I apologize. I said uh, that one of the questions was about um, you know practical use of uh, uh, of features in Edo, uh, and uh, basically uh, I was asking you know what what are you know are there you know basically asking uh, what are some actual practical use um, uses of some of the things like in the tickets or some of the new cryptographic primitives uh, things like that. Um, that, um, that 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 can be used. So uh, you know, obviously, you've talked before about um, you know about Checker, or and you've published recently about CTES. Um, you know, would be might be interesting to to discuss some of the uses for for some of the new features that are coming out of out of Edo. Sure. I mean, you know, I think we've talked about tickets. Uh, in general, tickets allow you to represent permissions. 
and mm -hmm. it's a, it's a portable permission. So uh, one of the patterns that you can see in a lot of uh, smart contracts is that if I want to know about a permission, I'm going to query a, a contract, it will reply to me with a permission. So if I tell you do something, I will check with the contract that you permission, and then I will verify and go back. So that implies a lot of back and forth uh, in contracts. And back and forth is a little dangerous. Back and forth means that you can have risk of re-entrancy. So instead of doing the back and forth, what you do instead is you pass a ticket. So your, your, your permission from another contract becomes a value that you own that is, um, that is in your contract but that you can pass around and that value is being stamped by the other contract. So you can do permissions like this uh, fairly easily. You can also do uh, UTXOs. So if you have a contract, for example, that uh, issues um, that issues tokens, uh, instead of calling the contract for every, every balance change, the contract can basically give you a script and not a script, a script uh, uh, that represents like some amount of, uh, of money that it can be or token that it can be redeemed with. And that makes a lot of things uh, much, much easier. Let's say you use a DEX. Instead of you going to the DEX and telling, you know, quite right now the pattern, you know, be it with DEX or, or be it on Ethereum, is that you go to a DEX and you say, oh, I have these tokens. And the DEX say, OK, I'll go and get your tokens from these other contracts. Whereas, whereas with tickets, you just give the tickets, and then that's it. So that makes it a lot easier. Although um, the tickets are a new and experimental feature, so uh, as much as for, for for permissions, I think it's pretty. Uh, um, they're pretty. Uh, uh, they're, they're 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 pretty fine to use for things like uh, for things like uh, tokens and, and balances. I think it's good to uh, to wait a little bit uh, in production until they've uh, settled down and uh, and we and, and we can be confident in uh, in how they work. I actually want to uh, continue on what Arthur just said, is that um, when we design new features for protocols, uh, there are basically, um, let's say, two approaches. The, the first one is more of a top-down way. So it means that we have a precise idea for the feature. Uh, we have like the exact examples of how it will be used and things like this. And then we implement it and we let people uh, enjoy the feature. So those ones will be, you know, uh, more supported from the ground up with complete support. It will be e very easy to use and things like this. And other ones, uh, other ones will fundamentally be more like bottom up. So it will more be like we offer a new generic mechanism uh, that is that like increases the expressivity of Tezos of what you can do with smart contracts. And um, those ones fundamentally will be less integrated as this integration with other tools and things like this is actually expected to be built over time as we discover uh, more specialized use cases and things like this. And with tickets, we're clearly in the, in the second case. Um, we're offering a very generic mechanism that represents uh, permissions, tokens, all those things, and that you can then build on top of. So like we, we should not expect like uh, a ticket wallet to come up like right at the beginning uh, of Edo. Uh, we should, uh, however, uh, expect to, uh, for this to be built over time and things like this. And there is like, uh, like there are two inherent trade-offs. Um, like the, there are the classical trade-offs between uh, top-down and bottom-up, but there is also another one which is uh, <laughs> developer time. Uh, in that um, either uh, we integrate tools like um, wallets, indexers, and things like this as soon as possible while we're designing features, and then they will spend time that will be wasted once we see that, for instance, a feature is actually not that good or should not be designed that way. Or we wait more uh, until we've actually done this cycle a little bit with reviews uh, and things like this, and it's integrated later. And we, like, we can do both. Uh, <laughs> it's physically impossible. So like the, those trade-offs should be uh, 
like kept in mind when you consider new features? Like, is it more of a top-down feature where we just expose a new thing to the protocol? Or is it more bottom-up where we expect people and tools to build on top of this? And is this more a feature uh, that was developed in isolation because it required a lot of feedback from the developer teams? Or um, was like was it developed in partnership with other tools because we were confident that the design wouldn't change? Uh, those are two trade-offs that are like a bit underappreciated and I wanted to shine light on. Got it. Um, another, um, you know, dimension uh, to uh, you know things, that basically how things are changing, uh, you know, and evolving around uh, Florence is uh, around the the, the process. Um, and so, uh, wanted to to ask, uh, you know, uh, everyone here, basically, how how is the process for proposing and communicating potential features changing? How how has it changed for? I mean, obviously, you've mentioned a bunch of teeth of drafts and. and uh, you know, um, there's basically, uh, you know, been a number of them written about some of the features that are being considered for for Florence. Um, would love to to hear uh, maybe about um, about how how this is evolving um, and and how uh, you know you, you know everyone at Nomadic and and other uh, you know uh, protocol and shell uh, teams are are you know basically uh, you know involved. Uh, so maybe I don't know. Maybe start with uh, Gabriel. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, personally. Uh, I love tzips. Uh, of course, the, the process is still not perfect. Not everyone is still doing tzips. Uh, even in tzips, they are still like uh, not complete. We might want to add other stuff, like example of use cases, uh, possible counterarguments, and things like this. But I think the process is moving like concretely to the to a very good direction, where we communicate on the features uh, ahead of time, uh, where we can have some uh, review and design work uh, done before actually implementing those and things like this. So uh, for Florence, um, which is our internal name, it's not necessarily the definitive name or whatever. But for Florence, the, the idea was that we will do the tzips, then we will do the implementations, and then we will do the review. So right now, we had like uh, three phases. Um, but we are converging more and more to the idea of uh, any time branch. The idea is that we'll have a branch that is like ready to be uh, merged or to be made the next protocol like any time. Uh, at any time, hence the anytime uh, name. And then we will not have those three phases for all features bundled together, but for each individual feature. So it means that uh, if Marigold or Nomadic develops a new feature, they will emit a teaser. People will be able to you know, engage with it, uh, wherever it is. Like it could be end users, uh, developers, tool builders, or just other core developers. Uh, and then we will build it, test it, uh, put it out on the test network. Um, if we are confident in the design of the feature, uh, indexers and wallets will build on top of this. And so uh, at the time of the next protocol, we'll be able to just push that branch. Uh, so we're still not there, uh, but the process is definitely uh, getting us closer to this. Uh, and it, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, again, it, it can be understated uh, like how useful that is. Because once we're there, um, it becomes so much easier to just develop a new feature. Um, that we will, like we should expect uh, like a lot of uh, like improvements in the speed of development of the protocol because right now like this is our main bottleneck uh, we're spending a lot of times uh, on reviews on re-implementing work uh, on merge conflicts and things like this uh, it, it's a bit crazy and this is normal this is a decentralized project uh, like it has cryptography crypto economics uh, language design so of course this will happen but basically, we're finding ways to mitigate it, to mitigate this. We're mitigating uh, mitigating this, 
and we're getting much better. Uh, as you can see from like uh, the, <laughs> the speed of development, uh, how like it improved uh, in the in the last months. Yeah. Um, maybe just to add a little more context around the TSIP, um, the, the process. So basically what was sort of emerged is uh, that um, basically uh, it, this is just a really lightweight way for people to, that, that folks are experimenting with on the, the, the uh, protocol shell development side now to, uh, in addition to what's already been done around standards and, and you know, things like TSIP 10, which is the beacon standard or, or the common, uh, you know, FA 1.2, FA 2 uh, uh, type tokens. Um, which, um, you know, th these new TZIPs are, are actually presented as drafts uh, to start, and these are just really lightweight, um, you know, explain you know, explanations of, of a post feature or, 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 or something, um, you know, to be added to, to, to the shell um, or something like this, where um, basically um, this is just, these are just like ex explanations. People can discuss them, consider whether or not this should be um, included in, a, in an amendment proposal. Um, and then if they do get proposed on chain, uh, the current I the idea is that's when they could get a number. So the the TZIP process would still be is oh and always is um, you know sub, you know subsidiary to um, the um, uh, the general on, you know the on chain governance process that governs Tezos. Um, so um, the idea is more so just that you know a wide a wide health you know concern has always been that around communication around you know basically what what's coming what what kinds of features are are going to be out there and previously it's been hard to sort of formalize uh, you know uh, discussion. Uh, find, create a, a formal structured place for discussion and, and review of these features, um, you know, before they get injected uh, in proposals. And so um, this is sort of address, trying to address this without um, creating some giant, you know, uh, review bureaucracy similar to what exists, for example, in EIP on Ethereum. Like in Ethereum, EIP is sort of this very centralized sort of like, you know, bureaucratic process by which everything, you know, sort of goes through. Um, and this is not not really the goal of, of the TSIP process. Uh, the TSIP process is really more so just creating a, a top of funnel, um, you know, sort of filtering uh, and and present way way to present things to to the community to um, later include in 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 the on chain process. Um, so just wanted to to give um, folks additional context there. Um, and there will be a blog post, you know, in the next uh, couple of weeks about about sort of what's been learned doing experimenting with this so far, um, and 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 what what's what's imagined. Um, uh, and uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, Mehdi and Arthur, if you have any other thoughts, I know, you know, Arthur, you've probably put a lot of thought into, um, you know, what, what should live, you know, you obviously designed a, a, a protocol and a, uh, you know, a network that would um, basically have governance live, um, you know, almost entirely on chain. So obviously off chain governance is probably an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to, uh, to, uh, to, to consider uh, in, in that light. So I don't know if you have any thoughts there. My general feeling is that you need to you, you put on chain anything that uh, you need for your consensus and and you know uh, what are the rules of the algorithm. So that's why you have you have to have you know you have the governance on chain because that's how it, that's how the chain can uh, because the chain needs to know its own rules. But anything that the chain doesn't actually need to know uh, for its own consensus and for its own rule sets should be off chain. Mm -hmm. Got it. Uh, that's the general principles. Um, I think there's always some pragmatic exceptions. You know, if if if, if for some reason you know, like putting a uh, hundred bytes of data on a chain every week makes your life you know a thousand times easier, then you know there's no need to be completely dogmatic about it. But in general, it's a good. In general, I, I think that most people fall for the mistake of putting too much stuff on chain and not enough stuff off chain. So it, it, a good reflex is like don't put this on chain. One one of the examples that I've seen is. Um, um, people trying to have factory contracts on 
in Mikkelsen. They will have say, well, you know, we, we, we're going to have a contract that generates all of these other contracts. And sometimes you do need that. Sometimes you need to know that a contract matches a very, very specific specification. And the only way you can know that from your central contract is by originating it. So if uh, anything that you do is with, with some sort of vault contracts, for example, needs to have this property. But all the times I've seen it done because, um, oh, it, it makes the easy, indexing easier. But indexing is something you can do off-chain. And by all means, you should do it off-chain. So there's a tendency to map the practices of software development and to try to map that on-chain, saying like, oh, if I have a module in my software, I'll have a I'll make that module a contract. But it's very, very often not the case. And so I think it's you have to be worried about these metaphors. Got it. Got it. Um, the, uh... Uh, and I guess, like looking beyond, uh, maybe as a transition point, like sort of looking beyond uh, Florence, looking beyond Edo, um, Luna, what kinds of things are, are is everyone here interested in uh, on a very long, or a much longer time frame? So on like a one to two year horizon, what what are some of the exciting, um, you know, uh, you know, whether it's features or, or aspects of future proposals, re rearchitecting, or what, what parts of Tezos that might be rearchitected or redesigned? Uh, you know what? What are, what are some of the things that, that are exciting um, to, to folks here? Uh, maybe we'll start with Mehdi. Um, for myself, um, I'm mostly interested in uh, in, uh, in security and also the the, the engineering uh, software engineering challenges that are um, brought uh, by by Tezos. Uh, I've worked in avionics where you have um, a very uh, hard constraint on development where you um, you have to write specification for a long time, then you write all the code, and then you, you, you have a long review. And then if you want to change one line, you have to redo the whole process, and it takes a lot of time. On the other hand, I've worked uh, in, uh, in another industry where uh, everything is changing all the time, and um, bugs are not critical uh, because you can fix them very fast. And here, uh, we have kind of both at the same time. Uh, we have very critical because once the software is on-chain, then you cannot change it anymore. Uh, and at the same time, uh, we, we don't want bug at all, and we want the, the code to evolve pretty fast. So from uh, a software engineering point of view, it's it's very challenging. And I think uh, Tezos is very good uh, at this because we, we are focusing a lot on security and formal uh, methods. Uh, we have a, a big team at Nomadic Tabs uh, working on uh, software verification. Uh, trying to prove uh, the protocol, trying to prove some uh, parts of the algorithms, um, and um, and proofs uh, take a lot of time, and um, having them evolve uh, at the same speed as um, protocol development is a, is a really interesting challenge for me. So um, that's that's for me the the, the main uh, the main focus. Uh, what about you, Arthur? I said. Uh, uh, so, you know, the question was, uh, you know, what kinds of, uh, like, longer-term uh, features and, uh, you know, redesigns of Tezos might, or, you know, are, are, are you folks interested in, uh, you know, things on, like, a longer-term horizon, like, one, two-year type of uh, horizons? Sure. I mean, I think the, uh, the and it's, uh, so there's a visible, you know, there's a visible stuff that I've talked about uh, before, which is getting faster finality on a consensus, uh, more scalability, more throughput, uh, and uh, also on, you know, accessory stuff, which is uh, seeing more on-chain funding, for example, uh, more use of future key for uh, steering the uh, uh, governance. 
so those are things are, are 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 the big ones. And then going forward, I think it'll be more about um, um, uh, expanding. So trying, you know, everyone has uh, everyone has tried to make sidechains work for for forever, whether they've been called shards or or sidechains or they 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 are different flavors. Uh, none of them are really uh, satisfactory. Um, they are starting to. There are solutions which are starting to emerge, which which work well in this direction. And I think that uh, going towards that will be uh, will be will be helpful. But it's still uh, it's still a bit of a uh, it's still a bit of a mess. Uh, but mostly, it 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 doesn't sound as inspiring. But for me, it's for me, it's like I see a hundred low hanging fruits for uh, for things to do. And it's more of a matter of co of collecting this like all of these low hanging fruits than it is to do like one big thing. Got it. Um, and most of uh, and what are what are some of the low hanging are they the types of features that are in Edo and, and Florence or are they things that um, that have you know are still might take quite some time to to accumulate. Uh, well, you know, uh, I, I think uh, Edo got uh, one of the big uh, Edo is something got one of the big ones that had been, you know, like even mentioned in the original paper. Um, and I think another big one in terms of uh, a feature would be, like I said, to have ISO finality and the consensus. And then, and then after that, a lot of it is polishing, just uh, polishing everything. But you know, simple things that Gabriel mentioned. So Gabriel mentioned caching. Having smart caching of smart contracts is not a big and glamorous feature. But it does make life so much easier uh, for people building on a, on, a, on a chain, and I think that's it, it, it's this type of non-visible, like non-immediately visible work, which I think is uh, is uh, is pretty critical. Right. Um, one, one other uh, question that we got, uh, or actually, I, I don't want to skip uh, Gabriel. Uh, you, you know, I'm sure you have lots of futuristic uh, ideas for for Tesla's as well. Oh yeah. Uh, uh... It's just that from a point of view, the, the main thing are not actually visible ideas nor uh, stuff like caching. The main thing that I care about in the long term are, are stuff like the, the development process, uh, stuff like uh, using Futarchy so that we can have like smarter directions for what is important or not. So uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the, there is a lot of stuff that we're uh, doing there. Uh, we've mentioned the, uh, the development process. We've mentioned like new teams being built uh, like Marigold. Um, we are like uh, doing a lot of under the hood work, uh, as Mehdi said, uh, on formal verification, uh, on like better software engineering and software architecture in general, and the protocol and things like this. And from a point of view, those things are the things that matter the most over the course of a few years, because those will be like the real force multipliers. So rather than one isolated feature, uh, like Arthur said, uh, it, it's more about collecting a uh, hundred low hanging fruits. So you, you want to have like your fruit collector uh, machine be uh, like well designed and well oiled rather than, you know, uh, focusing that much on, a, on any particular fruit. Uh, so uh, yeah, um, th this is work that we've been doing on, uh, that we've been doing like for the better part of the last year. Uh, and it's, I think it's bearing fruits right now. And I think we can see this. Um, so yeah, the, a new one, a new thing that uh, I'll try to work on in the next few months is to have some reliable infrastructure uh, to backtest and benchmark uh, all new features. Uh, the, the reason why is that right now we're being very conservative when adding new features or trying to be backward compatible and things like this. Uh, we're having those migration that we're trying to keep uh, you know, um, quite fast and things like this. So I would like to have some systematic infrastructure that helps us with this. 
Um, because once we have this, we can do work in a much more confident manner uh, and like much more agile, uh, if one wants to say, uh, than we can right now. Uh, and I think that's the major thing. You, you want to be able to develop as fast as you can, yet still be safe. So yeah, the, this is what I'm hyped about. Got it. No, very cool. Um, one other uh, question that we got in the from the from the audience uh, asking for for Arthur uh, is 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 asking are there any examples of autonomous governance uh, that you're aware of that you think are um, basically plausible and useful um, uh, that implement exclusive use of smart contract utility feedback loops? I guess like more specifically, a, a question could be what are some examples of uh, smart contract governance by autonomous you know autonomous smart contract governance or you know, uh, you know, you know, autonomous blockchain governance that you find interesting or even hypothetical. You mentioned Futarchy. Um, what are some, some, you know, maybe specific uh, examples of this kind of uh, this in action or hypotheticals? Yeah, um, like different models of governance. So I think you know, honestly, coin voting and Futarchy are the two big ones. Um, then you can try to have something like some form of uh, representative democracy where. You say, you know, we, we want to make some decisions quickly, uh, and so we will uh, elect, uh, so, you know, a specific set of keys and, and, and let these keys modify uh, some parameters. I think you never want to do that with the whole protocol itself um, because that's too big of a deal, but you might want to do that with uh, some parameters. So you, you could have a DAO that controls the gas cost. You know, so if you want to quickly upgrade uh, gas cost or, like, uh, you could have a DAO to introduce uh, new instructions in Mikkelsen. Uh, so long as you can make uh, the governance very parametric and like really leave it into a sandbox so that you know it, it doesn't completely break everything or doesn't like so long as you can limit the power that it has, I think you know electing a, electing a DAO or electing a set of keys to do it uh, is reasonable. You don't want to just give like general uh, full I mean full 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 powers over the uh, the protocol and it's very tough sometimes you know. Uh, you know, if, if you just did naively uh, one instruction in Mikkelsen, you know, people could find a way to like use that instruction to break existing contracts. So you, you, don't, you don't want that. So if you can really, really, really uh, isolate it, uh, it's potentially useful. Future key is a big one. Um, I think you can use it uh, for indicative purposes, but you can also use it as a uh, as a prerequisite for um, for uh, for passing a proposal. And um, I don't think there are a whole lot of other ones sortition where you randomly select people to make a decision. If, but that's only if you know if somehow you don't you, you can't scale, you can't have everyone vote on something. Um, I don't you know I don't I don't see a whole um, I don't see a whole lot of other option in, uh, in this space. Got it. Um, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I forgot. So with voting, um, one aspect of voting which can be interesting is. Uh, it's forcing people to stake so that you know if, if you vote for a proposal and it passes, then you have to stay stake for a long time. So that in some sense, you know, you suffer the consequences of a bad decision if somehow you're part of making a bad decision. I think that one is also um, is also potentially helpful. So like tiny economic incentives to make sure that uh, people are exposed to their uh, to their choice. But you have that in future key, you know, uh, in, a, in a very strong sense. Like Futurarchy is probably the purest expression of that. Is, is there any way to retrofit current Baker governance with with that? So you know, hypothetically, like someone has bonds currently on Tezos that last for you know a fixed number of cycles. You know, would it just be you know would the, would, the, would it basically amount to saying no? Well, now uh, your bonds are are lasting for a year or something like that. Yeah. So so right now in Tezos, you know, like the the governance process. Uh, 
you know, typically you, you, uh, by the time, you know, the, the, by the time a protocol is, is upgraded, someone who voted could just have uh, sold in Syria all of their roles within the existing ecosystem. Uh, in practice, you know, most bakers and most positions are a lot longer lived than this. And the fact that you're asking for an 80% supermajority uh, super twice gives you a lot of margin for, uh, for error. But if you want to be very particular about it, uh, you could you could you could ensure that people who vote get stay, you know have to stay state for longer, or like uh, increase the holding period for uh, for maker bonds. So we have uh, we have these options. But to be honest, I think that right now you know if uh, if we're looking at development like resources and what needs to be developed developed, uh, there's a lot more leverage in uh, speeding up the Mikasan interpreter or uh, uh, ensuring that we have cursor in the storage layer. The bang for the buck on doing this is a lot higher than it is in, you know, having a slightly uh, better governance model. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, so, uh, so on that note, um, you know, uh, I think we, you know, we've uh, you know exhausted the the time uh, for today. Uh, and thanks uh, to Mehdi, uh, Arthur, and, and Gabriel for uh, for joining uh, for joining us uh, this you know for this first uh, T quorum of of twenty twenty one. Um, so uh, just as a closing, uh, you know, all of our sessions, uh, including uh, our past sessions uh, from 2020, uh, are available to stream on tquorum.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, just want to say thanks to, to all of the, uh, the viewers and folks who joined us here on Hopin uh, today. Uh, you know, make sure, uh, you know, to, uh, to follow us on uh, Twitter uh, at tquorum underscore uh, for updates on uh, the next session, uh, which will be coming in on, uh, on February 10th and the stream will you know, for, for this one should be out uh, in the next, uh, you know, one or two weeks. So I'll uh, look out for that uh, as well. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks again for everyone who's, uh, who's come on. Thank you.